Podcasters Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. In my darkness, set me free. And I hear the Spirit calling me. Hello, this is Pastor Shane Eidelman of Westside Christian Fellowship. Because pastoring can be difficult, challenging, and exhausting, Pastors Unplugged is specifically designed to encourage those in pastoral ministry. I hope you enjoy this episode of Pastors Unplugged. So many people ask, you know, what's your history? What do you believe? But I don't want to just talk about that. I want to be very applicable, very encouraging for you tonight, because we want you to understand the heart of the church. We want you to understand the transparency. We want you to, to know what direction we're going. Um, we're not pastors that are aloof and we go sit in a green room. You know, we're, we're among, and that's one of the things I, I'm kind of amazed at when I go and travel and speak and they're like, okay, we've got a green room for you. Then you can, I'm like, no, I want to pray with people. I'm going to be with the people. Are you sure? I mean, that's going to be draining. And yeah, it is. But it's, that's the heart of, of shepherds and to, to really minister to people. And so I don't want to be in a hurry and I, I don't want to talk too much about things that aren't really relevant, but I want to give you an idea. Um, and you can actually find my testimony on YouTube. You can find Morgan's testimony on YouTube. And if you're listening to this one in the future on YouTube, you can just look in the description and it'll be right there. So this isn't my testimony. It, it, we did a 10 year anniversary video that you can watch and hear, hear testimonies about people, what Westside has done over the, over the last 10 years in their lives. But this is a little bit different. This is how God uh, I think the title is, I forgot the title, I didn't write it down. Oh yeah, there we go. A church is born, the brief story of Westside Christian Fellowship. And then our hope is to also let new people listen to this on a regular basis every month. Like, oh, okay, here's, here's what Westside is about. Here's what God is doing. And then I think when you can paint that picture, we can all understand and be on the same path. Uh, but again, you can text questions. I answered with Pastor Abram an hour and 40 minutes of questions last night at the men's study. So everything from theology, to uh, the, the, the graven images, to uh, can you listen to heavy music, heavy metal music, to all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot of questions you can you can question and answers you can listen to uh, when you get a chance. So I'm not going to really talk about that. I'm going to just tell you about the church that you are calling your home church, at least for now, while God has you here and want to tie in some practical application. And so here is a snapshot of, of what God did. Often God will use a, a person, the, the, let's say the lead pastor, and he'll take my disposition, whether right or wrong, you know, my character flaws, my character the, or, or benefits or however God designed me. And that's usually what the, the, sh the shape of the church will take, take kind of, you know, if, if, if the pastor's passionate about certain things, the church will be passionate about certain things. And so I could see that God early on was, was wanting Westside to be a little bit different. And he often uses the least likely. Amen. So let that be an encouragement to you, because I know a lot of believers are like, you know, God can't really use me. Well, you should have seen me 22 years ago. I mean, talk about just nobody's more surprised than me. And I run to people, even people come here and they're like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, I can't either. I should be dead. I should be. I mean, it was, a, it was just the, I was the partier, the guy that would never amount to anything and kind of stupid, you know, from, from the farms of Oklahoma my dad came from. And so God often uses the least likely because he gets the most credit. Uh, and what happened is I was actually born in Quartzville, have never moved, 
Right now, I live a quarter mile from the house I was born in. And so just, I love California. I'm not, I mean, if God does move, you know, us in the future, that's up to him. There's no plans. We've never talked about it. There's no desire. And I just have a heart for this area. And I, I like to be where God wants me. Um, I remember we traveled to, and, and there's nothing against moving. I think God, people move all the time. It's good. It's healthy. It's obviously we have to move, but you want to be, make sure you're in the center of God's will. And I remember visiting Texas. Remember I was at, we were up in Idaho, up in uh, star Meridian for a week. And I was just like, I just miss home, you know? And so God's got me here to minister to this area. Um, and so what happened, you can again listen to my testimony, all the good, the bad, and the ugly to how we got here. But in 2000, really it was 1999. Uh, 1999 was the year God said, enough of this. Uh, I'm going to break you. So men or women, if you're being broken, it's a good thing. Uh, I would encourage you, don't fight it. Because it, it just it gets harder. And I remember God was breaking me, and I'm like, well, I wouldn't listen. He's breaking me, I wouldn't listen. And uh, it was a very hard year. And then 2000 is when I really said, okay, I'm all yours. Um, and I think it was in 1999 it started, but I, I, I would go back. Anybody go back into their old life? You know, I've been set free. Praise God, I'm going great. And then my old man, the old man calls back. And, and you get hooked in that. And then now you're depressed because you're not where you want to be. And, and I was going back and forth vacillating for a year. Um, and I remember my friend actually at the time he, he was coming here. He doesn't come here anymore. Uh, a couple months ago he was coming here and I told him, you know, we were on our way back from Laughlin with jet skis and Corona. And I said, I'm done with this. I can't keep, I can't keep living this going back and forth. And uh, that kind of separated our friendship and brought it back recently. Um, and that is where the turning point was. Because I, I think, in my opinion, in, unless full surrender takes place, it's hard for God to, to, to put you where He wants you to go. Because without full surrender, you're kind of kicking and screaming and wanting to go this direction. God says, no, go this direction. You're fighting the whole time and really kind of miserable. You're not really sensing God's lead and you're, it's, life's kind of challenging. You've got an attitude. You've got, you're angry. And, and I struggle with that. And finally, I say, okay, whatever, wherever you want me. I don't need to make a lot of money. I don't need to live in a certain area. Just bring me a nice wife, please. And um, um, funny story. Many of you have heard it, but I think it's so funny. I'm laying on the couch, hungover, doing what I always do, listen to great American country. Boy, that can make you really depressed. And uh, Craig Morgan, do you have any of you heard of him? His very first video was something to write home about. And Morgan got the part to be in it. And so it's on, and I'm watching, I'm like, Lord, if you could just bring me someone like that, you know, that, that's, you know, and of course, you know, you don't pray that because obviously that's not, that's not often a good thing, but God knew what he was doing. And I met her, ran into her and at the gym and we started going to church and long story short, you know, we, we met and started dating, but this is 2000 before I met her, I really started to dig in and God would give me a passion for theology and that's why with this church, we, we love sound doctrine. We love proper theology because you have to have a gauge on which you gauge behavior. You have to, you have to have a plumb line. You have, a contractor has a set of plans. So without that, and that's what, where, when I talk about hyper charismatic churches, sometimes they throw out the plans and just build the house. But the plumber's putting something here, the roofer's doing it over here, and, and it doesn't fit because they, they have to get back to the plans. What does God's Word say? And so, just a love for theology. And in that, though, 
liking both sides. Pretty interesting. I would read the different debates and the, you know, cause there's different sides out there on the non-essentials. You know, this Calvary Chapel would believe this. The Reformed theology would believe this. And I just wanted to know what does God's word say? And just a, a desire to hear about the different views out there and then unwavering on the essentials which is a, it's a non-compromising thing that we did. It's even in our bylaws and with the elders, we, on the essentials, we, we're unwavering. We, 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 but with, with, in the non-essentials, uh, things, you know, um, gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the, um, there's so many things, end times, eschatology, um, uh, church politics, meaning, you know, govern a leader by, by elders or plurality or a plurality of elders or the man, the main pastor leading, how you handle communion, all kinds of things. And so we didn't want to argue over those, but the essentials were critical. And then for some reason, again, I believe God, I didn't have any of these desires before I was just following the world. And then all this changed. And then there was a, re, a, a desire for revival and repentance. And because I was reading a lot of things like David Barton, who spoke, uh, actually started reading a lot of his material about America and how far we've drifted and to read about the founding fathers and, and what they wanted for our nation. And my mom, even though I, I talked with the Mayflower, uh, Mayflower Compact Society, or I think it's just a Mayflower Society, my lineage can be traced almost to Pyrgham White, the first baby born in the Mayflower in Cape Cod Bay. And my gr great grandmother said that the prayers were that the grandchildren would be, you know, take God's word into the next generation. They were part of the Methodist circuit riders. So maybe that has something to do with my passion for this area and revival and all my books on revival would stack up high because I love that theme because it is biblical. It is very biblical. And I don't like when people give it a bad name, you know, do weird things. And it's, it's like revival is probably one of the most powerful things that can happen in the life of a community and a church and a nation because it awakens it awakens. And that's kind of what happened with me in my 20s. I was a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord. I remember it was a pretty significant event up by, I think it was Mountain High. Um, I remember the exact name up there. I'm actually going to preach at a men's conference for a few days up there. The same spot, I believe. And that's pretty, pretty cool. And, uh, but then <clears throat> my dad wasn't a Christian. He was from Oklahoma. And a hard, hard dude, you know, those guys are weathered skin out in the sun all the time and just don't, not real emotional and just, you know, walking on eggshells at home and kind of thing. And he would not, uh, raise me in the fear of the Lord. It was, you know, did you, did you meet a girl tonight kind of thing? And, uh, they gave me my first drink of course. I remember on Avenue M2 by that library. Uh, it was, it was, uh, not paved. It was a dirt road. It was a, it was a contractor and, uh, and my dad thought I wouldn't like it, never have it again. Instead, it had the opposite effect. I'm like, this is, this banquet is pretty good. And at 12 years old, and that kind of started the process of, and being led in that direction. Then my mom came out of Roman Catholicism, and I was an altar boy, and I would go and do all the, the sacraments and help the priest. And it just, dead as can be though. It was just not relationally into a lot of works, just a lot of things that, you know, I mean, if you read the Bible, a lot of it's just not biblical to go to a man, a confessional, uh, Mary, perpetual virginity of Mary and the immaculate conception and purgatory. And I could just keep going on the papacy. They, they won't say it, but it's up there above the Bible. You know, that's the final authority and, and Rome, Rome is. Uh, and so 
My mom became a born-again believer. Gifts of the Holy Spirit were very evident. I mean, her prayer meetings were powerful. People still tell me about them. 35 years ago in our house in Quartz Hill, and people being delivered and set free. Uh, very powerful prayer warrior, gifted. And um, uh, I didn't like that stuff because my dad's influence and hanging in with the wrong crowd. And uh, we would go and... Um, Right where Quartz Hill is, Quartz Hill Mountain, there was no houses, so that we called desert parties. And we bring our four-wheel drives out there. And I just I talked to a friend of mine, Henry Marvin. He comes here. He knew me back then. He had a Dodge Ram Charger, uh, that one of the bigger Dodge Rams when we would race. And uh, it was just, you know, just it was that time. And then so drawn away from the Lord, miserable. And then God brought me back in 2000. And also the focus, not only on revival, but there was a focus on worship and prayer and the surrendered life. So often you see a lot of those same themes in the ministry. And not everyone prefers my style. And I got it. I don't prefer their style. I mean, right? We have preference. That's why I put up there. Just because it's not your calling doesn't mean it's not my calling. And so God has uniquely gifted people, you, all of us for certain areas. And that's what began to take on the form of Westside Christian Fellowship even before it was a church. And so I would go and travel uh, and I'm going to speak about that in a minute. But a couple, I want to put up some scriptures that when you say leaped out from the page, I think we've got them there in Jeremiah and Luke. These just jumped out and I knew God. Have you ever read something where you're like, yep, that's for me. That is my life verse or that is God just wrecked me. I put the Bible down, began weeping sometimes. And he's talking to Jeremiah. And usually when I, these scriptures leap out, it's an issue I'm struggling through. The Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth for you shall go to whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build back up and to plant. And I, I just really resonated with that. And also Jeremiah 29. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Have you ever been so beat down that you're like, forget it. This is, this is a hard battle. This woke culture is, is taking over and we can't even keep our kids uh, away from these predators and all kinds of things. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. In other words, God's word was bubbling over in our heart, in my heart. And it can be in your heart as well. That fully surrendered life, getting into his word, getting to rend the heavens and letting the spirit of God just bubble out of you. It's powerful. It is incredible. It's life changing. Once you have, you don't know, ever want to go back. The enemy tries to tempt, tempt you to go back. And if you've ever, ever fallen, how miserable is it? Miserable sucks. That's a good word. It's like, man, he got me again. But the key really is to get back up and continue fighting. And then, of course, Luke 3.16. John answered saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not even worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'll never forget, that was just, Lord, what is the fire? What is that? And that's what happened in 1999. Uh, I remember the couch. I remember getting off the couch and just almost falling to the ground. 
and not really being able to get out for a while and just weeping and weeping over the condition. And when the prodigal son comes home, it's messy. I destroyed everything. My marriage, my life, my finances, my reputation, my, you know, and, and just weeping and weeping. And, and God began to just fill me with His presence. And, and, and then joy unspeakable followed. It's like I'm in the worst spot ever, but I'm so happy. What happened? I remember driving down Rancho Vista Boulevard. Uh, many of you know in Palmdale, just, just, oh, just weeping for so much joy, but I'm going through hell. This, this doesn't make any sense. And then I can't wait to read God's Word, spending hours in the morning just, whoa, 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 how did I miss this? Whoa. And then we had to kick country to the curb and put on, on back then it was Hillsong, we were Darlene Check, shout to the Lord. These are the days of Elijah and all those, man, I'm just, man, this is powerful. Michael W. Smith, I think, started back then too. And, and so God was just changing my heart. And so that began the process. And now I've got this fire burning in my belly. And here's the thing. Many people in the church can't relate to you when you've been radically changed by the Spirit. The Spirit-filled life, full of the Spirit, not everyone is. Most people aren't. And so you look, you look like they, people they just settle down, you know, just, you know, it's, you don't have to get that excited about God. You know, the old timers would even tell me that. I remember like just kind of, you know, just because they've lost that fire or they've never had it. And then God began to have me go and speak. I'm like, ah, oh, I do not like speaking. I was, I would actually get out of public speak. I never did it in school. I was always sick or got out of it somehow. And just, you know, it, 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 and I did have a stuttering problem a little bit more back then. Uh, more just, you know, just really, just really nervous and didn't like it. But God would begin to open doors uh, for that. I actually spoke to the homeless at Grace Resource Center about, about health and fitness and taking care of themselves better and things like that. And, and little doors here and there. And then those little doors turned into bigger doors. And then I wrote my first book, which is silly because I couldn't even write well. My mom had to edit it, edit it, edit it, edit it. But it was, it, it almost actually got to Oprah because a friend of mine who lost like 500 pounds, uh, Joy was her name, she was friends with her. And that's why I finished it, but then she, uh, that, that fell apart. Uh, but then here, not that that's a good thing to be on Oprah necessarily. Now I couldn't go on. She wouldn't probably have me on there. But it, it, it opened the door so people would read it. And the first guy who read it was a pastor. And he said, hey, would you come speak at the vineyard? They won't let me speak there anymore. But 20 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago, uh, Jim Girdleston on a Wednesday night said, hey, I, but I don't want you to speak about your book. I want you to speak about chapter one changing from the inside out. It was my very first sermon. And I pre, I should see if I even have the CD. That'd be interesting. And I preached it with, with all of my heart and gave just that call to respond. And like 80 per, 80 hands went up. Like, oh, and they probably didn't understand what I said. You know, and you're kind of repeat, like, you know, if you really need to fully surrender and get your heart right with the Lord, you, and, and it was just the response was incredible. And then a pastor friend of mine was there and said, why don't you speak at our church on Father's Day at Hope Chapel? I hope chapel and um I did that and the Father's Day message uh it was it was I remember that night or that morning and then they took the CD and they duplicated it and Promise Keepers in Canada made 10,000 copies of it and sent it out everywhere. I don't even know how they got it actually. And so that kind of opened the door to where you know you kind of you got to get your feet wet on dealing with um crowds and speaking and 
different place. I remember I was in Wisconsin speaking at the at the uh, the the American Baptist Association. Their annual conference is a huge hall, like out past the street, and uh, people start getting up and leaving, like in the back and. Le- and then one lady came up and she started, she goes, I got to stop you right now from speaking out against homosexuality. He said, well, hold on. Okay, hold on. Is my time up? It's not okay. I appreciate it. And I just kept on preaching this way. And I said, I'll talk to you later. And just people, you know, clap. I'm like, what is going on here? Come to find out they were voting that weekend on, on embracing same-sex marriage or not. And they didn't let me know. And all I said was the court system, the Supreme Court, what they're allowing now would have never been allowed 50 years ago. They would have laughed this agenda out of the courtroom. You know, there they go, there they go, there they go. And here comes this lady up and trying to tell me to stop. And uh, that kind of opened the door. I spoke at Grace Chapel to their men's group. I spoke at uh, Central Christian uh, to their men's group. And we'll go to a lot of men's events. And so hearing... The heart cry of men and knowing what men struggle with, I'd say thousands of men over those years, uh, some large conferences, some smaller. And um, that's, where, well, that's kind of why I shoot people straight. That's how I was raised. And I think that's the only way. I'm not, a beat around the bush drives me crazy. You know, I say, just get to the point. You know, what are you trying to say? What do you, what do you, you know, tell me the truth. And so that's, and I would really see men rocked. Like I'd be preaching, you know, like I do, and the, the, he's crying, he's crying, he's crying, he's coming to the altar. He, like God is just moving and moving and moving and breaking, confirming what he wants me to say, obviously. And then traveling more, I went to Calvary Chapel here in town. Uh, Pastor Mike there is a friend of mine. And then they would have me go speak at different Calvary chapels. Uh, Tachapi, Hesperia, uh, Yucca Valley, uh, North Edwards, and, and so I'd be a traveling pastor for the week, for the weekend. And so God, I could see He's, he's using all this experience uh, to to finally, eventually launch Westside Christian Fellowship. But I needed seven more years to prepare, seven more years to prepare, and that's where I started writing the articles. Uh, the passion for the church is developing, and um, when I left Calvary Chapel. We didn't. We were kind of confused. Like, what is God doing? We didn't, I didn't even know what He was doing, really. And he, we left just to say, you know what? I've got to do what I feel God's put on my heart. And more extended times of worship. Uh, no offering box. More prayer. No announcement. Prayer, you know, just just really a, a church, a revival type church, seeking the heart of God. And it's not for everyone. And people apologize and I say, hey, if it's not for you, I understand. You have to apologize. This is what God's called me to do. Some people want to go. Some don't. I don't, I mean, I have to answer to him, not you. And so that type of church uh, is what God was wanting to plant with Westside Christian Fellowship. And there's other great churches around there, but he'll take different personalities and upbringing and have them launch that church, I believe, if they're truly called of God. There's a lot of people calling themselves uh, that aren't really, they think, oh, it'll be fun to pastor. I like people. No, it's, it's, it's a nightmare and a huge amount of demonic attack if you're not called because the enemy will take you out. And so, over a series of events and, and time, uh, just seeking the Lord, um, that's when the articles, I started to write the articles, my mom would continue editing, and so that got, that got everything out there kind of nationally. And so I would speak a little bit more in Texas and different places. And then people begin to ask, you know, have you considered planning a church? Uh, and I said, no, I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not a pastor, that's a little, that's a little wimpy. 
And it is kind of wimpy, I thought, you know, because I'm in construction and, and, uh, and, ah, those, those guys are like, they wear glasses and they're all nice and, you know, quiet and like, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, but the more people begin to ask and I say, okay, well, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll consider it, you know. That's why I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially the you know, gift of prophecy or when somebody has a prophetic word for you because I was struggling like big time. I'm like, Lord, I, is this you? Because if you want me to say all this stuff, it's, man, this is going to go over like a bull in a china shop in the American church. Like that Jeremiah, that, that boldness. And it's like, I wasn't hearing that in a lot of churches. Like, Lord, are you sure? And he would, I was, in a, I was at a church in Lancaster, and, uh, and I've got it on audio tape. It's really old. And he said, he, he, he just read my mail. And he just answered everything I was praying to God that week. And even some of you might know Billy Nettles at the Highlands. Before he was at the Highlands, he was at a different church. And the whole church is there. You know, there's 300 people, I'd say. And everybody's up front, and he goes, you too, Shane and Morgan, he didn't know our names. He, he lays his hand, he goes, God is calling you to the ministry. People say, well, he just, he just got it right. No, that's not the only, time, the only person he mentioned. And I'm already asking God for, um, for wisdom in this. And I'll share that prophetic word. Uh, it was Mario Murillo. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was at a church 20, it was 2003. I'm in construction. I'm digging ditches. I'm going to work Monday. Uh, and he had me stand up, the only one, the whole meeting. And he said, God is, is, is calling you. He said, it's not arrogance, it's boldness. Now, I want to tell you something. This is a very unusual moment. I want you to help me, if you will, my brother. I want you to walk over to this very tall individual. And I want you to lay your hand on him for a moment. And this, sir, so far transcends physical healing that I'm there are aches and pains and illness that God is going to take away. But that isn't nearly what this word is about. You have a gift, my friend. You have a gift from God that's extraordinary. And you've got to understand that I appreciate your humility and so does God. But God has said that it's time for boldness. God said, I appreciate your silence and I appreciate your calmness and I appreciate your humility, but it is time for boldness. Now, in order for you to fulfill your destiny, some kind of a shell you have to come out of. That's what God said. You got to come out of a shell. And there is a kind of a, and you're so young that retirement's not even on the radar screen. Okay, but there is an attempt by the enemy to put a retiring sense in you. Well, I'm going to wind things down. Brother, you haven't even wound things up yet. And everything you've been through in your life has been a setup for this moment. Now, my brother, would you lay your hand on his back? And then I want you to know, sir, God is healing you in your body. But the Lord said that the healing of your body is so secondary to the inflaming of your passion to do a great thing. You see, you're afraid, the Lord's saying this to me, you're afraid that the boldness of your vision is arrogance. And God said it is not arrogance. It is God. And men of God have got to be bold. 
and they're mistaken. I mean, you know, holy confidence can be mistaken for arrogance, but it is not arrogance. Because if you fulfill your vision, you're going to help so many people. And you can help them in a way that nobody else can help them. Somebody clap for Jesus. And I just told Morgan that week, I thought, this is so, it's, people are going to think I'm arrogant. How, how, how is God, want, and, and he said, it's not, it's boldness, it's God. And he's giving you this gift to be bold. Like, how is that? How do you just, that just happens? Exactly what you're praying for in struggling ministry? See, that's what the, that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for, to go and compliment and to help us in our journey. Not to get weird and out there and taken advantage of and get all kind of, you know, in la-la land, but to help God's people get through this journey of life. The gifts of the Holy Spirit for the edifying of the body. And so I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit when I came back. I, it, all, the, all the gifts I've seen before, I've experienced it. Uh, but because I had the John MacArthur Study Bible and I was conservative, I didn't want to share it with people. And God really convicted me. And I shared it, I think, a couple years ago. You can watch it online. Um, I kind of repented of that, keeping all this silent for 18 years on what God did in my heart. And, uh, but I've also seen the damage that um, abuse can, can when, that, when abuses occur, too. And so that's why I often say the cemetery or the circus. And trying to find that balance because I've been in so many cold, dead churches and I, I kind of like the excitement of the city a little bit better. You know, the, 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 the energy and, and, and worshiping and pursuing God. And so that's why what we believe and the elders support this and Pastor Abram with, with the role of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we finally launched the church September 2010 as a new church. How much do you talk? Oh, I'm Shane Eidelman, by the way. And this is <laughs> Westside Christian Fellowship. What, what, is, what is he calling me to do? What, what does he want out of me? What's his will for my life? So I just thank you all for coming. Our worship was, you know, like a blessing helped out, you know, back to when we were in Lancaster. And it was more um, like what it is now. It was just a, a, a good 30, 40 minutes of just worshiping and getting our hearts right. And I remember it was, it was challenging for people. You know, hey, I come from this church and we like to greet each other you know, after the second song. And I come from this church and we really like to pass the plate for a while. And I, I like when the person goes up there and make, makes announcements. And so we tried all that. And I remember, I'll never forget, I'll, I'll send this to Randy. He was with us from the get-go. He left, I think, about two years ago now. He was our treasurer. And um, Ronnie was actually leading worship. And I said, okay, guys, we'll try announcements. So he's leading worship. And I think it's like one of those songs where... You're just broken, and you could just camp out there for a while. And so he stops, and the guy comes up. All right, let's go over everything we have going on for ten minutes. Like, talk about a buzzkill. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, that's okay. <laughs> but Randy afterwards goes, "Yeah, let's. We're not going to do announcements anymore. Uh, now we'll make some now and then. Just but to to this service, it's where God. It doesn't mean announcements are wrong." doesn't mean passing the plate is wrong. But for where God had us, really pressing in worship, the Word, and prayer. And that's been our theme for 12 years. And continuing doing that same thing. And so, um, 
when that happened, Levy can relate probably, uh, we had a guy named Garrett and he got the website going. He's like, we got to get video. I'm like, I'm not going to go on video and all this. He goes, yeah, that's the wave of the future. I'm like video cameras? Back then we had, uh, I think it was CDs and recorders and things. You make copies of CDs. I'm like, I'm not going to go on video and worry about a camera on me the whole time. He goes, no, that's, if you don't do that, you know, that's how you're not going to reach people. And then, you know, I get talked into podcasts and video podcasts. And so, you see, though, that God uses different platforms to get the message out there. And so that once the video started getting better quality, then other places picked it up and we would hear from people. And that's where I started to realize, oh, OK, God's doing something. I mean, just about every state in the United States, you know, people being, man, that message wrecked me or I went home and repented. My re-. I mean, we're talking I don't know how many emails over the years now. It's just. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, people, I mean, just even today, a guy called in and, and just, just God's getting the message out there. So see, that's why we're a little bit different too. Not everybody, every pastor gets, you know, has that calling. There's there's more maybe focus uh, just on the local level. And when you look at the messages going out nationally on the radio, um, that's where God has us. And so again, when I say these things, trust me, my heart, I'm not boasting, but we are to boast in what God is do- doing. I think it's amazing, absolutely amazing what God is doing and breaking and, and humbling people. And, uh, yeah, I just got a, a text yesterday too that, like, uh, Charlie Kirk, you know, is reading the articles or seeing the sermons. Turning Point USA is sharing a lot of the things. And then, uh, other leaders in the Christian community, uh, the articles I know were sent to President Trump 22 years ago, friend of his, and said, you gotta read this guy. And so God is getting that information out there. So now I have to, have a, I have a responsibility, not only locally, but God, what are you doing even nationally? And so that's why West Side is a little bit different. And so, we're open for constructive criticism, but not everyone is going to uh, understand or line up, okay. especially if they right. have a different right. heart. I remember, man, we had a, it was like pulling teeth with these certain individuals for a while because, you know, they, they wanted to be a missions church and only focus on missions, but that was their heart. So I'm like, go for it. Do it. We'll support it. But no, you need to. You, no, you, uh, God needs to tell me what I need to do. He's not telling me to, 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 to change my whole directory, to, 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 trajectory, or whatever that's called. You handle the missions. We'll support them. We'll do it. I'll mention it. But, but here's where God has me. And not everyone, you need to go. I remember one guy, he was so mad. He used to sit there. Why don't you go on the 40 day marches with us around Planned Parenthood and always talk about abortion and get these signed things and, and go do this and go to LA with us for the training? I'm like, that's, I'll support you, but that's not my wheelhouse. That's not where God has me. Here's where he has me. Well, why don't you get, you know, it's just like people want you to do certain things. Uh, even in politics, they wanted me to run for certain things in office and get mad when I don't. I'm like, that's, that's not where God has me. And so maybe that's encouragement to you is to find out where God wants you and, and stay within that, 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 that framework. Stay. Now, of course, we have to do other things, but I think when we juggle too many plates, we end up dropping them all. And focusing, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the first two years were rough. I don't know if I put that up there. Uh, the first two years were rough. Uh, rough for everyone because God chips off the hard background. Uh, especially when you're pastoring or when you're getting in ministry. Uh, the thing about ministry is 
You don't have employees. Uh, many of you know I had 20, I oversaw a 24 hour fitness center. I had about four different gyms, uh, Santa Clarita, Victorville, Palmdale. I opened up uh, East Palmdale and West Palmdale, which both closed down now. I promised people they wouldn't. Look what happens when you're gone. And then Lancaster, I opened that one in Lancaster. Uh, before before it came, uh, well, we signed twenty year leases. I think it was, rent was about twenty grand a month. I remember that, and um, and I had one hundred and fifty employees that I was over from payroll and budgeting and profit and loss statements and EEO sexual harassment, uh, working with you know uh, doing things uh, the right way and policies and procedures. Board, I go to board board meetings in Irvine. Uh, very, very high up people were there and we talk about, you know, Shane, you got to beat last year by 6%. What's your goal? What's your monthly goal? And then I break it down to each department and tell retail they're responsible for this, supplements, you're responsible for this, personal training, you're responsible for this, sales department, we need this, and just boom, boom, steamroller. And that was my job. And so you can't do that when you're pastoring. <laughs> you know, it's, you can't be the steamroller. You got to be the nice, gentle flower <laughs> because you have volunteers not employees and you can't be you know you have to you just have to you just have to change so the first two years were difficult because god is chipping off he's preparing me as much as he's preparing others and remember my dad you know oklahoma my mom from from southern california down by the beach so it's an interesting combination there and i i remember i'll never forget it was actually joe walker high school i was 12 and a guy by the name of John Remy, he actually, his parents live in, in over here in Leona Valley. His dad passed away recently. He popped me. Just the first time I've ever been hit. Bam, left-handed. I was like, and my dad said, you need to learn how to fight back. You know, and that's what I was used to. And he, when he played football, you know, you just get angry. And you get angry and you just run them over. And that's, you know, that's how we... That's how I was kind of raised, that mentality. And that's you get things done. It's, it's hard. It's abrasive. Uh, you get back up. You keep fighting. You don't cry. And so um, now pastoring, you know, God's, God's changing me and changing my heart. So the first two years were rough. I've come to sound the alarm. We have got to become a praying church. Listen, the church is mocked. The church is ridiculed. The church used to pray. Yep. The church used to petition God. The church used to know what all my prayer meetings meant. What brokenness and humility and full surrender. Now we want to talk about blessings and boasting and jockeying for position. God says, I don't want any of that. Humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, will I not hear their prayers, heal their land, and forgive their sins? Yeah. And then the next four years... I got into the flow of things. Our church got into the flow of things. Our, our identity was forming. And we did something that was actually, I don't know how many churches have done this before, but we were able to add a second service on Saturday nights. We were already meeting at 5.30. The church, I think, in, at Hope Chapel seats around 220 people, and it's a capacity. And uh, we talked about opening another service, and we did 4 p.m. And wouldn't you know it, it grew as well. So now we got 4 and 5.30. Nobody starts a church on a Saturday night. You know how many people told me it's not going to work? You don't, chart, you, you don't start a church on a Saturday night, Shane. People are going to think you're some weird cult. And, and you got to get started first on Sundays. And Well, I don't know. We have, a, we have a free building on Saturday nights. My friend said we can use it. And so that just really grew and, 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 and flourished. Um, I rarely took time off. 
um, because I was keeping another job down while, we, while I was pastoring. And so one of the great things about bringing Pastor Abram on is able to take, take time off. And it's funny how people go, boy, you've taken a lot of time off. You know what? I've, I've spent 38 years not taking any time off. Yeah, I'm going to take a little time off because my kids are not getting any younger. And, um, and so you had to, I had no guest speakers and I had to just kind of fulfill this myself. And so the church is growing and then we get to, um, six years into it, we were approaching the move here in Leona Valley. And Joe Lindemann, one of the elders here, was traveling to Lancaster. And one day he said, hey, we're looking for a pastor and you're looking for a building. Uh, would you consider praying about going up to Leona Valley? And I said, no, I don't, that's a little too far. I don't think so, but thank you. Would you pray about it? <clears throat> Man, yeah, I'll pray about it. Okay. And so me and my wife started to drive up here. You know, and the drive is, I mean, wow. I mean, look at that. There's no, most churches are like the concrete jungle, you know, everything around. And so we were like, oh, this, this is pretty, this is not that far of a drive. And, um, and we just kind of fell in love with the area. And uh, it was a small church, uh, probably 40 people in attendance. No kids ministry. The balcony had been closed for years. And uh, it, was, it was, for lack of better words, it was a dying church. Uh, but there were some people who wanted to hold on to the dying church and didn't want to let it go. Uh, it's the first time in my life I've, ever, I've, I've never seen modern-day Pharisees until that moment. Very challenging six months. Very difficult. Very ugly. Uh, th- I thought I was coming up here to sell the building or take over, bring all these city people up here. It was just sad. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to follow God's lead. Sell the building? I mean, wow. And it was just all the gossip. Even the town got a little upset at me. And it was just a mess. But then finally, they voted. And they voted 96% to actually dissolve and become Westside Christian Fellowship. It was totally a God thing. And so we wanted to steward the building correctly. We paid it off. I think like three years ago, uh, we wanted to honor, uh, you know, it was a lot of an older crowd. And so we want to honor that uh, and, and, and hear, you know, a lot of um, what their desires were. I mean, we had for a while, we had the organ and the hymnals and the, and the speakers for the, for the organ. A lot of tapestry. You see the big tapestry in the back? That was along the whole wall. And it was hard to get some of it down. Let me tell you, I was the devil for a while. But I'm like, hey, change is good. You know, soundboards are okay. You know, but I understand them. It's their church. And so I totally respected that. It was, it was, it was hard to mesh those two together. Um, but that's when we finally ended up up here. And then more doors began to open. The radio station, the radio program got picked up by more and more stations. Uh, about three years ago, Pastor Abram, I reached out to him and asked if he would come speak. He said he couldn't speak because his denomination wouldn't let him speak at my kind of church. I'm like, oh, what kind of, what kind of church is that? I don't know what kind, what kind of church is that? Well, it's not like us. Okay. Hmm. Well, you pray about it. I think something like that. And so he finally said, okay, I'll come out and speak. And I think him and Erica, you never forget that first day of worship that just like, wow. You know, God is moving here. And so long story short, they moved back to Lancaster, started working here part-time, and then also worked at Joshua Memorial Mortuary. And uh, I was praying about it and just waiting for the right time. So why don't you just come on full-time? And that was about two years ago now, or two and a half, maybe three years ago. Three years ago, full-time. And uh, just a blessing ever since. And that's where kind of, and then, we, you know, that grew even more. Um, as many of you know, it was... The only church I think to actually grow during COVID that I'm aware of. 
You know, most churches lost a lot. We lost a lot of people. 150 to 200 people moved in the last two years. That's a, that's a whole, that's, that's like a couple churches. I mean, it was like every week, gone, 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 gone. Deacons, elders, friends, family, gone. My sister, my mom, my was like, whoa, what are you, what's going on here? It was like just shell shock. And then God was bringing other people who were hungry for the truth. And what happened is we were on a conference call, and uh, when President Trump asked, you know, hey, would you guys just, all church, just, let's, just, let's just shut down for a while, 15 days to slow the curve, which turns into two years, right? So we shut down, and um, I'm talking to nurses, UCLA, I mean, I shouldn't say the name of the places, but they're like, there's, there's some shenanigans going on here. I mean, there's no more flu, there's no more pneumonia, everybody's getting COVID, $16,000 per COVID patient, $30,000 if they're on a ventilator. Uh, we got some shenanigans, Fauci saying this and that, and it's like, after a while, you realize well, the death rate, what, 90, 98.5% success rate, mainly older, maybe mainly morbid obesity, underlying health issues. And you see, and now I'm driving around and the pot shops are open, Planned Parenthood's open, liquor stores and donut shops are open. Hmm. We have to close? For how long? Oh, we'll let you know. And so we met with the elders and said, okay, and we actually, I plan on going to jail. Ask Morgan and Abram. We were like, okay, well, here's the plan. Uh, because it was pretty bad there for a while. I don't know how many of you followed uh, with L.A. County and um, our local officials right over the hill were not happy with me. And uh, they wanted me to put a big plexiglass here and, and preach in a mask. It's like, we have lost our mind. We have lost our mind. And I lost friendships. You know, people think I'm disobeying Romans 13. And I said, I obeyed it for a while until you find out the shenanigans and the, and the, and the, actually, I think it's an evil agenda that was starting to manifest itself. And we begin to in love. The more time I spent with God, the more bolder we became. Jack Hibbs texted me and said, what are you sensing? I said, I'm thinking we need to open soon. Maybe March, I think it was 31st, Pentecost Sunday. He says, me too. Let's do it. Let's get on a conference call with people. And then a lot of our churches, you know, opened. And a lot of people who I thought were going to open didn't. So I'm like, oh, I think we're the only ones. One of the only ones. And, and uh, after a couple, couple weeks, even the mask and the distancing, it's like, I can't live like this. Um, but people don't realize... You know, trust the science, right? Trust the science until you can't sue Pfizer or Madeira. Uh, but so I looked into the MRA, MRA messenger. I looked into the death rate. I looked into the, the, the morbid obesity and the natural causes and the transmission. And even if you investigate the mask, the reason they don't work is the cloth can't stop it. If to do it right, you have to have N95 suction to your face and wearing gloves and don't touch anything. If you really want... To, to, to. So I would see just all this. So at what point does the church say, hey, guys, enough is enough. Uh, this isn't working. And then started to get bolder. We had about 250,000 views each month on Facebook. And Facebook shut me down, which still shut down two years now. Uh, not shut down, but it's called shadow banning. So you just maybe a few people see it. Uh, I think Facebook, will, I mean, YouTube, we, we'll be out of YouTube jail tomorrow. Think so? Okay. So... But see, you see, when you start to see all these false narratives and you hear doctors saying, hey, this is working for COVID. And Fauci says, no, it's not. We're not going to go that way. Natural things, the malaria medication has been around for 60, you know, and you see the government kind of really 
um, it's, it's an evil plan. So I think at that point, that's when the church says, okay, we submit, but when we find out now you're actually going against God, and God's called us to stand up to these kind of things, look at the book of Acts. Hey, we can't stop doing what God has called us to do. And so it wasn't out of rebellion, which like I studied, uh, even when it came through the, the, the church and people got sick, you know, and just, and, and nobody has the flu anymore. No one has pneumonia. It's like just so many things I can't even remember. I mean, they die of a car accident, alcoholism, and they put them down as COVID death. I mean, it's just all everywhere. It was it was running rampant, and um, even recently, I don't want to go into a lot of things now. I've been following a lot of what's going on, and I think if if what happens in the midterms, you know, they're going to really expose what happened with Fauci and gain of function research and the uh, what a lot of the, the they're trying to have the coroners not re- report a lot of what they're finding in the autopsies and things like that and that you'll be more of that will be coming out and so we see if it was man-made if it came out somehow and then it was also definitely employed it to they used it to shut down the church maybe that wasn't their agenda maybe it was a lot of it's out of fear but the idea to shut down the church and Newsom was going to shut down the church big time back then in the Department of Justice William Barr actually they read the letter I was on a conference call he sent him a letter and said you will not shut down these churches in California that's why he didn't do it remember he shifted gears there you see how important the right leadership is guys the right leadership is huge. The right judges is huge. I mean, this is like what we're leaving for our children, our grandchildren. And so that's what's really got us here to where we are today. Um, 12 years now, uh, still anchored to our foundation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> we look back a few, a few months ago. We talked about the core principles. Um, you know, about Westside Christian Fellowship, and we, we feel like we're still on track. And then one of the questions that actually came in was, um, where do we see this going? We're open to what God wants to do. Now, God may open a larger campus that's more central, or He may want us to stay here, or He may do both. We don't know. We don't, I, I've never went out and looked for anything. I want to be right where God wants us to be. He'll open doors when He wants to open doors. Maybe He won't open doors. Maybe things will get really challenging. And we're kind of glad we're hidden back here in a corner. You know, so it really depends on what God wants to do. And so that's really what got us to hear. And at this point, usually in the uh, Q&A for the meet and greet, I would ask if there's any questions. And that's when people usually ask about what we believe theology-wise from women pastors. And I didn't want to waste your time tonight, but I know it's important to hear about the church that you're a part of. You know, where are we going? What direction are we heading? What's, what's the, the, the heart of the leadership? And if I don't get to all the questions, uh, then I'll answer them in a special video as well. But a few that came in, I want to just, are very important. Um, one of them, <laughs> it's kind of funny. God has a sense of humor. When we signed up for the texting system, right? About a week in, some people are texting me like, why is it asking male, female, non-binary? I'm like, that's a good question. I didn't realize they did that, those little stinkers. <laughs> and so they're down in Santa Monica. I called them because, oh, yeah, you can change that. You know, the next quarter we'll come out with a feature. Well, he's not returning my calls. And, um, and so that's why they do that, number one. Number two is, I never thought about this, but one of our elders said, you know what? It's a great way also to identify people are struggling with that. So we've been able to see if somebody puts that, then we can reach out and help that through that struggle. So I was like, well, that's not a bad idea either. 
so the thing is, have patience. We didn't, we feel like, do you believe there's other, other genders? No, we believe in two. But the stinky system, after we get hooked up to it, now we've got 700 families hooked up to it. Do we switch now again? And so that's why that non-binary is there. It's just so funny because it made me so mad. Guy, you got me good, guy, didn't you? Um, and then another question comes in. This is really good, especially where right now. What are my thoughts about being slain in the spirit? I'll let Abram answer this one because there's another question about. Let me maybe I can time in. Is Westside Christian Fellowship getting more charismatic or staying conservative? How do you find that balance? What's the greatest struggle? So my my initial thought on this was, <clears throat> in my mind, we haven't changed in 12 years. What I believed 12 years ago is exactly what I believe today on all the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the only thing that might have changed is the, the people that are coming. When I first planted the church, we are known as, man, that's a, that's a guy who speaks the truth. And I got a lot of mean people who like the truth. You know, those modern-day Pharisees, ah, we want the truth. Like, that was a hard crowd the first year or two. It was like, man, these guys... Uh, and so, but the, you've changed a lot. You're, you're more hungry. You're, you're wanting to, to more worship, more services. And so I, I see, so in that sense, we have changed and there's a, a deeper pursuit for God because the people are hungry. And so what we always try doing, we, you've got some solid elders. One of the elders, uh, David Thies actually went to John MacArthur's church for a long time. He was involved in ministry down in that area. Same with Joe Lindemann. He's, uh, he's the president of Firefighters for Christ. And very solid guys. Brian Hobbs, very solid theologically. And uh, so we run, we talk about these things. And so getting more charismatic or more conservative, we try to, what does the Bible say? What, what, is, what does the Bible say? And it's very conservative and it's very charismatic. And charismatic, I should probably define that. Charismatic, the, the term comes, because people ask me, are you charismatic? I'm, I'm like what the Bible says. I'm, I really don't label myself. The Bible comes from bestowing spiritual gifts, the word charisma. Charisma, bestowing spiritual gifts, 1 first, first Corinthians 12, 13, 14. And from that word comes char- charismatic, charisma. Do you believe that those supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are still evident today? So you take someone like John MacArthur, who I reference often, doesn't believe they are, that those sign gifts are no longer valid today. I, for the life of me, can't find that here 22 years later looking in the Bible. I I can't find that. I believe that they are, and I've experienced them profoundly and powerfully and genuinely. And once you experience it, see, it's not that you're interpreting your the Scripture through your experiences. I'm running my experiences through Scripture. Oh, Paul, Paul experienced that. Paul said that. That happened on the, when they're in the upper room. The fire of God fell. I can relate to that. And so you, you just, to me, it all lines up with Scripture. You actually have a harder job proving they don't exist than I do proving they do. Because you have to take out Scripture and move things around. And, well, that which is perfect comes out and in part will be done away with. Well, now we have the Bible. We don't need the gifts. But Paul said, now we look through a glass dimly. But when that which is perfect comes, we will see as we see face to face. So we see better than Paul now because we have the Bible? I don't think so. We still look through things dimly because that which is perfect has not come yet, that being Jesus Christ. And so to answer the question, I don't think we're getting, I think we're getting more desperate, maybe more deeper, uh, pressing in, um, but still 
because here's here's the challenge. <clears throat> I'm getting, don't worry, I'm getting to the slain in the spirit in a minute. Some of you have your own life. You have, you have your, everyone has their own life, but you have a deep you have a deep relationship with the Lord, you do, you do things a certain way, maybe your worship time is different than ours, maybe, you know, you do things differently. And then we have to be careful because now you, you might come and you want the church to do that. But I, I can't do that because now I have a responsibility for the whole body of Christ. I have to answer to God for what I allow here, what we allow to take place. So I can't be like, well, just do whatever. If it's odd, it's God. Just go crazy. Go crazy, guys. When the Bible also says, let all things be done decently in order. And so that balance is hard to find. So the word slain in the spirit was, is um, not really an old term. It's when uh, probably even back, you know, a hundred years ago. And then, of course, you see on TV with Benny Hinn and different people, whether just, you know, kind of walking by and blowing you over. And Moses, you got to fall over. Well, you, you, this isn't working. Heidi, you want to fall over? Lord, no. You. Now, not mocking it, when God genuinely moves and He confronts sinners, things happen. I remember, I've seen stories, my mom's told me stories, I'm sure you've seen it, where I mean, people are just like, God is moving, and even the babies respond. You can't, a baby can't be faked. When the baby just kind of conks out, like, what, what is that? The baby's not being influenced. Something is going on. And so reading throughout all of revival history, in when genuine revivals, like in the upper room, when God visited the people in the upper room. If on a night here during worship, you feel just, just something God is moving in a tangible way, that's why some people maybe just get excited and they're, they're, they're just joy-filled and they kind of can't contain themselves. Others are being broken at the altar because when human flesh encounters a living God in real and profound ways, it's not real tidy. It's just not. And I've experienced it. I remember at a men's conference, I've talked about it often for the Rock Church um, up in up by San Diego. I mean, I gave an altar call. 150 of the 300 men came forward, and it was just man. You would it was if somebody just walked in, they'd be like, "What is going on?" But you got these you know guys, gangbangers and stuff, just crying out to God. And I, I right before I went up and spoke, I could I was in the back. I literally could not get up. And the guys are praying over me, and I'm like just weeping and weeping. Like, what is wrong with me? Oh, that's oh, I would give anything to preach that sermon again. Because the fire, you were just, just with the fire of God was so, and He was showing me who I used to be and how I almost lost my life to the prodigal living. And then He showed me where I am now, and I just I couldn't, I couldn't stop weeping and weeping. Like they had to just do an extra song because I couldn't go preach. I said, I can't go up there right now. What was that? Oh, that's just emotion. I don't know what it was, but it was real. It was genuine. And the fire of God was very evident. And we've had time, I think Ronnie was there. He was leading worship where I just came up and said, guys, I can't, I can't go into this next service. We got to just keep, and worship just kept going for like three hours. And the altar was full. 
And uh, I remember at Hope Chapel, I was preaching, and uh, the first service ran to the second. The ushers had to come get this guy out who was just weeping, and people. Through, it, was, it sounded kind of weird, like preaching and and just it, talking about communion. I began breaking down too, and 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 you just hear people kind of weeping throughout the congregation, coming to the altar. And it's like, well, God, what is? So see you that you can't put God in a box. Well, that's just emotional. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a little interesting. As a conservative guy who likes, you know. I like to, things clean and tidy and nice. And Lord, what exactly are you going to do? Can we be done by eight? But when God begins to work in human hearts, you know, and so I'm careful on, I don't say, I don't say slain in the spirit because I think some things are fake, some things are phony, some things are manipulated, um, but some things are genuine. Some things are genuinely genuine. And I've been, I've been where, um, I don't remember exactly where it was. I was younger. Um, I don't think I met Morgan yet, but in prayer, like, it, it, it's usually these little churches, like 80 people, just hungry for God. And up there in this pastor is praying for me, and I literally just, like, I just could not stand up anymore. Like, I just had to just lay down the altar and just, oh my God, and just, because my life was falling apart, and God was just, and I just literally could not get up if you paid me to get up. So what do you what do you do with that stuff? I mean, golly. I went home filled with the Spirit of God. I went home just loving the Lord even more. God met me. He broke me. Oh, praise God. And when God breaks you, it's not pretty. And so the quick the 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 the, the answer really is to be open to what God wants to do, but cautious. To not hinder the work of the Spirit, but not to encourage hysteria. And it's a hard balance to find. And not everyone agrees with this, my position or the church's position that go here on either side. Oh, you're not open enough. You're too open. Well, what is it, guys? Come on. What is it? And so, see, but, it, but what happens is, and I used to go this before, do this before I was pastoring, I would want the church to do things my way. This is how I worship. We should be doing this. this. This person wants this. This person wants this. This person wants this. And that's why his leadership, we just have to, to the best of our ability, steward this environment that God has given us. And when God is moving, so is the enemy. And you might see somebody being disruptive. Like you might, at the altar, like too loud, and like this, sir, you know, could you, can we take that into the prayer room? Can some of the prayer team come and help them? And we might have to steward that. And I remember a lady shouted out during my sermon in Lancaster, and she started, Son of David, you didn't like, ma'am, I just, I, can I talk to you afterwards? And just totally just talk about, I, I don't even remember where, I was like, where was I? Like at a very powerful point. And that is when you have to take authority over the demonic realm. And she didn't like it. They never came back. She, they got up and left and see, you look at the heart. And so we have to steward this that God is giving us. Uh, what about if somebody just starts speaking in tongues? Okay. Is it, is it, does it go with the flow of the service? What are we discerning here? There's no, inter the Bible's clear if there's no interpretation. You know, so then do you lovingly rebuke the person in public? See, see how d difficult this is? Or do you say, well, thank you. Anyone can interpret. Or do, if you don't even know the person and you just allow that to happen, because Paul also said, here's why it's challenging. Do not forbid tongues. So you people who believe in it and this, but he also said, I would rather you speak five words that people understand than 10,000 words of a tongue because an uninformed person is going to walk in and they're going to think you're out of your mind. You can't dismiss that. You, you've got to, as leadership, we have to look at both of these 
an answer to God. And so there have been times where we've got to maybe interrupt someone or, or allow something to take place uh, that maybe we feel that God is doing. So that's, that's kind of our stance is to be open, cautious, but at the same time, you know, the Lord knows. The Lord is, and He, conv- he convicts me when I, sn- you know, snap at my kids. He's going to convict us if we're quenching the Spirit. Trust me, oh, Lord, I shouldn't have did that. I, I'm sorry. But often I'm praying, Lord, what do you want to do? Show us what you want to do. But also, we have to steward and understand that there are demonic influences at work. I don't know if you guys were here on that Sunday where that guy, I don't know if he cussed at me, but he's sitting right there. He's never come back yet because we talked to him. But he, remember, he cussed at me or said something, and he just started walking out that way. See, we, we can't have that going on, and we will address it. And so it's, it's just, it's, my, my thought is bear with us. Pray for us. Let's have grace. We're not trying, trust me, we are not trying to stifle the Holy Spirit. I pray, I've been praying big time, Lord, would you heal people? Would you set them free? And also though, preaching at different churches, I'm just going to shoot you straight, all right? Some of you might not like this. But the hyper-charismatic churches where I say, I don't care how high you jump, I want to know how straight you walk when you come down, don't have their lives in order a lot of times. They've got a lot of deep prophetic this and that, but they are, they don't have a lot of character. Uh, they don't have, they, they don't have a, they, 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 they're sneaky. They've got a bad attitude, critical spirit. And so it's not all about emotion. You have to have the power of the spirit along with the sound doctrine. And then you have the sound doctrine who's like just dead, dead, right? Straight as a gum barrel, but just as empty. And so finding that balance is the mission of the church. But I, I've, I've got hyper-charismatic friends, and they have not grown in 20 years. Same kind of stuff. What are the prophets saying? What's going on? And they're so caught up in this stuff, there's no stability. And I've just noticed that. I've seen that over the years. And so we want to be careful in this area. Um, I like this question because it comes up often. We shouldn't be guilt-tripped into coming to early morning worship. <laughs> That's true. Or coming to the altar, or going to the prayer room. We must be spirit led, and time and location doesn't make that any more effective. This person's thought this one through. <laughs> so, without a shadow of a doubt, right off the bat, and again, I'm just I'm a shoot straighter. This person's got an attitude. No, I mean that's. I, is that, you don't, you don't, you don't ask questions. You don't frame things like that. You think I'm stupid? I've been reading people for 50 years, or well, let's say 40 years. I mean, you you can tell. Now, I don't think they go here, so that's why. I think it just came in from somewhere else, maybe online or something. But I would say this: we don't guilt trip you into coming, but I do encourage you. It could be conviction. It could it could be the conviction. Conviction is what is hitting home here. Guilt trip? Give me a break. My mom never came to morning worship once, ever. And she never felt bad about it. She said, you keep telling them. You keep encouraging them. Praise God for that. So I think this person's convicted. And I think time and location does matter sometimes. Joel said, call a sacred assembly. Call the people into my house and cry out to me. The disciples gathered in an upper room, came together. 
corporate prayer and worship. Sounds like this person just doesn't like the altar, the prayer room, or morning worship, if I were to be honest. And again, I'm not saying any of this jokingly or in anger or sarcastically or arrogantly. Please understand that. I'm just, I'm speaking the truth in love. And Pastor Abram can confirm this. The last six times I've answered this question, last two years, it's always come from hard-hearted individuals, modern-day Pharisees. Why? Because you're challenging their lack of spiritual fervency. And they're a fair, they're, they, they've got it down. They have sound doctrine. They don't want to be challenged to the deeper life. These people often won't fast. They won't go to all-night prayer meetings. They won't go to worship mornings. They won't seek the deeper life, the deeper things of God. Without a shadow of a doubt, I can pick out this person. My wife doesn't come. She's going, you know, you, you need to stop guilt tripping me. I'll watch the kids sometimes and she'll come, but I'm just encouraging you because I hear people saying, that's the best thing that I've ever happened to me. That's better than the 9 and the 11 a.m. service. That restored my marriage. Now I'm here with my spouse. Now my prodigal son wants to come home. That prayer, I brought my prayer and laid it on the all. See, I hear all the positive feedback. I want to encourage you. So if it feels like a guilt trip, it's a conviction alert. It's not a guilt trip at all. Because you can't guilt. In this sense, the person is right. You can't guilt someone into it and make them uh, uh, do something. And I did that once, and I, and I apologize. I made someone feel like they had to be here. <laughs> I was like, no, don't, don't feel that way. You have to just come with the right reasons for sure. Um, and then somebody asked, what are, is there ever a time for a national physical confrontation? Basically, civil war, right? Oh, there's some claps here. Okay, well, here's 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 why this is challenging. Um, you know, because people bring up the Revolutionary War in Great Britain. That was a whole different time frame. And um, what happened there is a lot of people don't know this, but Great Britain, we had leaders here, and the leaders decided to rebel, and 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 it's called the 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 law of lesser magistrates. So it wasn't a bunch of farmers with pitchforks rebelling; it was actually governing officials who said, "We can't keep th- this is not going in a good direction," and that's how they handled things back then. The British actually fired the first shot many times, killed lots of Americans, and they finally had to respond, and so. Now, if you come now to the left and the right, I mean, what does that look like? I mean, so I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, I believe, obviously, in the Second Amendment, I believe a person uh, can defend themselves and home defense. And so if it comes to those kind of things, I think this is just right now a very um, a very difficult conversation. It's not a place you want to go just yet. You know, what does that look like? You're shooting people that... that don't now agree with you or they're trying to break in your house. I mean, this, I don't really know uh, what the, what the person's asking. So I don't, I hope I don't see it going in that direction. Um, now, if it does, then obviously it will make sense when it gets here. I think God will give confirmation. Uh, just, but I think obviously the Christian's position is that of, unless it comes to defending your home and defending, you know, others and things like that, um, then, you know, our position is to, to love our enemy and to not uh, want to just always get the sword out and fight. But there comes a time and a place where, you know, let's just say if one side's going crazy and they start, I don't know if you saw the guy that it looks like he almost died. He was canvassing in Florida for DeSantis or Mark, Mark Rubio, Marco Rubio, and they just about beat him to death because he's a Republican. 
so Republicans aren't welcome in our neighborhood and just beat them to, it was pretty bad. And you're going to see more of that. And the left just hates, hates the right. And, it, it, you know, it could get pretty interesting. You know, if they're going to start shooting and, you know, so I'm just careful on this question. I wish I could answer it better. I would just say err on the side of not worrying about it right now. Err on the side of grace. If you want to be prepared, I think home protection is fine. You know, somebody's going to come in and, and cause my family damage, then they better be ready to meet their maker. I think it's biblical. I've, I've taught on that before. Um, you know, that, that there is self-defense. Now, you can lay down your life, but if you're guarding others... If I'm to guard my family, I don't think it, it, it's, it's, it's wise uh, and manly in my case to just, you know what, just, let's just die for God. If it, well, if we're dying for God, truly. But if somebody's breaking your house, it's a whole... You guys got me on a whole rabbit trail on this one. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Let's, on that one, let's give it, let's give it uh, some more time, see how things unfold. Uh, let's see, no questions on the texting. Okay, one or two. Um, cremation or... Um, Burial, uh, I mean, obviously, biblically speaking, um, they, they were buried, but I don't think God is going to uh, not be able to fulfill His plans and purposes if you are cremated. If you need additional support, you can visit my website, shaneidleman.com, where I will also write about many of the topics that we will be discussing. Sermons and free downloads of my books are also available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.